Um, avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Okay, go. Okay, I'm uh, just pouring out the water from my noodles. Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome to episode 51 of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Ryan Faith, also one of your hosts. Hi there, Ryan. Hi, AJ. Oh, there, there he is. Okay. Uh, so this episode, I'll let you guys know uh, what we're doing here. Ryan and I, we're going to do a little bit of a wrap of the, the season that was. We're going to talk about the playoffs that are about to come, the, the street party, uh, the recent athletic event, and just kind of do... Um, I kind of cover all that stuff, and then we're going to get into, I did an interview yesterday with uh, Mike Friesen, again, one of our contributors, and we go full positive, just everything positive about the Jets. We're going to tell you why they're Stanley Cup contenders, why they're definitely going to win round one, two, three, four easily, and uh, then we're going to follow that up with Roddy and Paul. They do the, I, I suppose you call it the cons or the against. And so they're going to tell you why the Jets are the worst team ever. You know, we're trying to we're trying to provide some balance. They're going to they're going to trash the team. They're going to tell you uh, that there's there's no way they're going anywhere. And probably the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But we're going to purposely give you um, some opinions that maybe we're not fully invested in to try and pr- uh, paint a picture of a real positive side and real negative side. And, and hopefully we have some good points in there that you guys can like. And then also we'll end it off with a little bit of moose talk. Daniel is our resident moose expert. So he's going to, him and I did an interview uh, a day or two ago, just talking about the moose and how they're right on the cusp of getting into the playoffs. So um, the city could be full of lots of uh, extra playoff hockey if the moose uh, managed to, to get in there. So that's how we'll end up. So, the season wrap and the playoff preview, then we'll get into the super positive, super negative, and the moose. So, uh, so Ryan, uh, first of all, um, I'll start with you uh, with this part that we're going to do. We're going to talk about, uh, like I mentioned, the athletic event the other night. Um, there was, well, I guess it wasn't athletic. It was puck talks, I should say. But uh, Marat from the athletic was there. Uh, Leah Hextall was doing interview, it was on the panel, and I think doing some of the interviewing and taking questions. And also Hustler and Rick Ralph from TSM 1290 were there. So I got there late. I got there about, uh, you know, the first period was almost over. But you were there the whole time. So I'm curious if you could tell people who weren't there. Uh, we, we did actually tweet out uh, the audio. But for those who weren't there, uh, what was the night like? Uh, what kind of things did you take away from it? Uh, was there some interesting points? I heard that three uh, questions from the, the crowd were asked by our contributors. So uh, tell us a little bit about the athletic night and, and, and what you got out of that. Well, it was very informative and interesting and actually exceeded my expectations for the evening. And part of that, I think, was the panel didn't just come out and say everything is sunshine and rainbows like we're used to hearing the mainstream media say. They came out there and they acknowledged there are issues right now going into playoffs. But they also reminded us that this is still mostly the same team from last year that had a lot of hype going into the playoffs. So that was refreshing to see, and they did address a lot of the questions saying, what's wrong with the coach? What's wrong with the power play or penalty kill? Um, and, yeah, again, they answered three questions from from the podcast crew, so that was very nice as well. I, I heard that uh, when Chris said uh, that he's from Jet-centric, uh, that there was a, a nice little cheer from the crowd and not just the people involved with the podcast. Is that is that accurate to say that uh, 
we have a little bit of a following that might have been represented there? Yeah, I mean, there was most of the people that know each other from the podcast and from our Twitter following were kind of in two separate rows, but there was an audible cheer from behind us. So it it was really nice to hear that. I was actually kind of blown away by how many people have listened to us or supported that. Well, uh, nobody had said true North and everybody was just wooing at that. Were they? They were actually (laughs) cheering about the podcast. Okay. So um, what was that? Maybe one, uh, like you mentioned a couple of takeaways there, but maybe a little bit of uh, inside information. I heard a couple of little things maybe about Morrissey's injury, but now it looks like he's going to play in uh, game one, but was there anything like uh, specific that um, came out of it? Not not just like good good answers, but maybe a bit more insider information. I mean, the the place had a couple hundred people in it, so everybody was... Uh, privy to whatever was said there but I'm just curious for those who weren't that are listening to this uh, what's maybe something that uh, maybe stood out as a a specific interesting point well regarding Josh Morrissey it was reported when he was injured that he was going to be out for four to six weeks and Leah Hextall actually came out and said she heard that it was going to be six to eight weeks and he was going to miss the entire first round of the playoffs now Rick Ralph came out and said that he spoke with Josh's father and his dad was a lot more optimistic than that, saying that, no, he won't be a player Saturday, which was the final regular season game. But going into the playoffs, he was looking like he was probably going to be available. And we were all kind of skeptical. Is he going to be ready or is it actually six, eight weeks and missing the first round? And then, of course, we know now that he practiced on Saturday without a non-contact jersey. And... He says he's ready to go. The coaching staff held him out for the for the last game of the season just to make sure he is 100%. And I don't think he is going to be 100% going to the playoffs. But uh, 85% Josh Morrissey is going to be better than 100% anybody else in the defensive core. So I guess it wasn't really insider info um, since it sounds like he will be back. But mm-hmm. that was just something that was a big topic. And you can just hear the crowd deflate when she said missing the first round. A lot of uh, people just kind of wondered, what right. the hell are we going to do? But, of course, right. it's moot point now. It looks like he will be back. Oh, that's good. Okay, well, that's a, that's a positive. So um, now let's get into the numbers a little bit. Uh, the Jets, obviously, they set you know a whole bunch of records as a, a team in Winnipeg, uh, like just going back to the old days, too, um, WHA and Jets 1.0, but this year, uh, by the numbers, uh, I'm curious what you can tell us about the numbers, maybe just for this season or even like compared to last season or just more recently about uh, their wins and how they're trending, Um, maybe some of the the point totals and if uh, some people had career years, I know some of it, you know, people have made uh, a big deal about some of those things, but um, I'm curious what you can tell us about uh, uh, what what you've gathered numbers-wise. Not necessarily analytics, but just uh, some some typical measurables. Well, one of the things that has surprised me is the is Blake Wheeler. Now he we expected a big regression from him, I think, and this year he set a franchise record in assists. The guy has been unbelievable this season on the stat sheet, which is interesting because watching him play, the the eye test doesn't suggest that maybe he's as strong as last year. Um. If he can keep that up, though, putting up these points in the playoffs, it's going to help this team possibly get to a second or third or fourth round. 
Um, that's all I got for individual stats. I know some other players have had decent years. You might have more on that. Well, I, I, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Shifley ended up with uh, 38 goals. Um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure about that. I can pull this up real quick. And uh, I believe that's his highest goal, goal total ever. So I, I would say that would uh, very likely be a career year for, for him. And then Kyle Connor, I think last year he had 31 goals, and he eclipsed that this year with um, 34, 30, 33, 34. I mean, obviously everybody's watching. Uh, line. Oh, uh, here we go. Yes, yeah, so he had 34 and Shifley had 38. So, uh, yeah, I was right. Um, I remembered correctly. That's, that's original for me. Um, but yeah, Patrick Liney ended with 30. I mean, uh, and I'm trying to remember, I think the first year Liney had mm, what 36 second year, he had 44. Does that yes. sound about right? Yeah. Um, well, obviously a little bit of down year. We did some predictions at the beginning of the season at the, the episode that will never be released from the bowling alley because it was just, just too crude. It just too NSFW, right? It's, um, it's all right that maybe it's okay at Liney didn't have a career year and he kind of regressed a bit. Because going into a contract year where we have to sign both Line and Connor yeah. and other players such as Truba, you might now get away with bridging Line for a couple of years. And this is something I am taking away from the Puck Talks event, is that now maybe you give Connor a longer contract and you can bridge Line because this year is going to hurt him financially. Again, right. I'm taking those words straight from the Puck Talks event, and that's Rick Ralph saying that. If he's if he has a heater this year and sets up, uh, it puts up big numbers. Then you're in trouble to sign both of those guys. But now I think you could probably bridge him. Yeah. But um, there was there was a lot of talk about if you had to pick one, is it Lalane or eighty one? And the crowd seemed pretty split. Uh, I know Lalea went with Kyle Connor. And I think the other guys went with Line A, but the crowd was was split, in my opinion, based on comments coming from around the building. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, for me, it's definitely Line A. It's a bit of a no-brainer, I, I think, uh, just a generational score like that. Um, you know, Connor's good and all, but, and they both have parts of their game that they need to develop, but uh, for me, it's it's Line A. That's, uh, well, you take, how about you? take you? Pierce Sniper, who has that many goals over a hundred goals in his first three seasons. And he's still 20 years old or he'll be 21, yeah. I think in a couple of weeks, but yeah, it's, he's, it, putting it, up, it, he's putting up big yeah. numbers despite sometimes um, going streaks without scoring goals, but he's still, yeah. young. he's going to learn to break through that, through that slump. Yeah. And you can start to see other parts of his game come together too. He's a lot stronger on the boards his defensive play isn't as much of a train wreck as it was earlier in the year. Things are going to start mm-hmm. coming together. And, yeah, you do throw the money at him. But I think for right now, a bridge might be smart for both sides. Right. Yeah. I, that, that, that seems like uh, there's a pretty good um, bet that that's going to be what happens there. And I, it, like you said, for both sides, I think Lanny Noyes is down here. The bridge, you know, he's betting on himself for the future. So I uh, would not be surprised to, uh, to see that. And actually earlier for those – um, who maybe missed it, we did an interview with a gentleman named Hart from Puckpedia, who's uh, one of those kind of resource websites that they post a, a lot of uh, contracts and uh, cap 
stuff. And uh, he had some interesting points to make about uh, specifically Kyle Connor and Lionel's agents and how they've who their other clientele are and what they've what they've typically done, like what their MO is. So that was some interesting stuff. I'm going to have to go back and listen uh, once we get to the summertime to see if we can predict a little bit more accurately just based on past, you know, performances or, or, or past behavior by some of these, uh, these agents. But <clears throat> Okay, so going back to Blake Wheeler, we had kind of mentioned him before in some of the, the stats. I just did want to make mention of the fact that this year he did have 91 points, which is a career high, but he did also have 91 points last year. So I guess he tied his career high with 91 points, but uh, he did last year at 23 goals, 68 assists. This year he had uh, 20 goals and 71 assists. Uh, still both years for uh, 91. Last year he only had 81 games, so this year he played the whole season. So um, just talking about Blake Wheeler, and you mentioned his contract and regression. I mean, we're still probably kind of expecting that in a couple of years, though. Is he, he isn't under his new contract yet. That starts next season. So that that'll start to be the the true measuring point of what 8.25 million a year is worth. But I don't really want to take too much time to just comment on, on Blake Wheeler and his contract, but just, uh, just about the point totals and stuff, because we were talking about individual players, you know, some, some of the, the more notable ones. I mean, uh, Brandon Tanev ended the season, I believe with 14 goals, which is a career high for him. So he's likely going to get paid. Uh, Ben Sherrod on defense actually had quite, uh, I think probably a career year for, for him as well. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually, kind of getting quite a few points there um, uh, in the second half of the season. Uh, somebody had pointed out to me, I don't I'm, I don't have it all exactly in front of me, like what he did to co- compare it to other times. Obviously, Ehlers was down a bit with the injuries. And um, <clears throat> Jacob Truba, though, ended the season with 50 points, which is exactly what Patrick Liney has. And uh, so that's a really, really nice year for, for Jacob Truba, for sure. Um, you know, uh, obviously, we'd like to keep him around as a as part of the team. That's actually, again, another career year. I mean, you know, we should have kind of done it. There's probably quite a few, not records, but career years that uh, a lot of players had, but 50 points. I mean, before that, Jacob Truba had 33 points in 16-17. He only played 60 games this year. Didn't miss a game. Eight goals, 42 assists. I mean, quietly getting it done. That's uh, the, that's pretty good for Jacob Truba. For those who wanted to let him rot, uh, you can go rot because uh, <laughs> we definitely – have enjoyed his presence. Not not so much on the power play, but uh, yeah. Anyhow, so well, well, let's move away from the individual players. Uh, sorry, unless you want to say something about that, Ryan. Did you have anything else to add to the individuals? Well, about Jacob Truba, it's actually surprising. I didn't I didn't know that he had 50 points. Yeah. And I think you nailed it that he just he's very quiet about it, and that's usually a good thing with a defenseman. If you don't notice them, that usually means that they're doing a, a decent job. Yeah. Now I know a lot of people are saying maybe he hasn't been as strong this year, not making a good, great case for himself. Um, but I haven't seen anything wrong with his play. I think he's made a, a good case to get a long-term deal. Now I don't know if that happens. I think he probably gets bridged again, if anything. Yeah. But if he puts up another year like this next year, then yeah, I think he does get a lot of money thrown in his uh, direction. Yeah, actually, interesting point. Just talking about, I mentioned Line. So uh, Truba and Line both did play all 82 games, and they both have 50 points. Um, Line with uh, 30 and 20, and Truba with, like I said, 8 and 42. So move Truba up to the left wing. Well, exactly. I mean, Buffalo's a forward, right? (laughs) Why not? Right. There you go. 
I mean, in practice, I think they used to always have Dano play on defense, right? So, uh, it's hockey, right? They, they got this figured out. <laughs> we don't, they don't. Just play all your best players, figure out where to um, put them. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but Ehlers, obviously his totals are down a little bit, but he did miss uh, about 20 games this season. So he ended the season with 21 goals, 16 assists, 37 points in 62 yeah, games. Yeah, I, I think he's another one of those players on this team that just didn't really find their stride, kind of like a line A or a little, just kind of moved all around the lineup and, and never found a good place to yeah. go. I think you put Ehlers up on that top line, you see it. A difference but I don't even want to get into that right now we should yeah I mean like literally we can go down uh, I mean people should go down maybe we won't take the time to do it but go look at all these players it's actually pretty impressive uh, the number of people that had really good years like uh, just end stat wise I mean that sometimes goals are lucky right sometimes whatever I'm not I'm not talking about the the nature and the quality of all the play, but just the fact that they're able to get some of the totals that they did. I mean, that's, uh, that's all right. I think Lowry's year was a bit down, but the cops was up and Tanner was, was up. So, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a balance there with uh, some of these, these guys, but uh, yeah, it seems overall though, uh, pretty happy with the point total and goal to- goal totals uh, spread out um, a lot of the scoring, but okay, let's move on to a bit more team numbers. Okay. So we're getting ready for the playoffs. We're playing St. Louis. Um, how are the Jets training? How is St. Louis training? Um, what can we look for? Um, what, what's typical? I don't know. Do you have any, did you look up any, uh, longest streaks? I, I don't know why I was kind of curious about that. Maybe I'll do it while you're talking here, but I was curious if you know, uh, longest win streak and longest losing streak for the Jets. Hopefully never more than I, four. I actually don't have those numbers for each team. What I do have here though is kind of the trending uh, how each team has been trending since Christmas. Okay. Now, there's been a, a lot of talk about, well, Winnipeg has home ice advantage. They beat St. Louis three out of four games this season. Well, since then, though, the Jets have gone, since Christmas, the Jets have gone 23, 20, and 3, so 500 hockey. And the Blues have gone 31, 12, and 5. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> so so the Blues are pretty much 500 as well. That's That's not very good, right? <laughs> Yeah, so Boo. a big reason for their turnaround is is the rookie goalie, Jordan Bennington. And, of course, that might be one of the things that is scary for them going into the playoffs and might benefit the Jets, is that sure this rookie guy has been really good in the in the final stretch of the season, but is he going to be able to keep that up and is he going to be able to handle the the – the heightened pressure and intensity of a playoff game, the more shots on net. Um, I think that's where Nets can take advantage is in goaltending. Right. Yeah, well, we we got a, a good tandem. I mean, Helly didn't have the same year that he had uh, last year as a caliber, but, uh, I mean, I, I think I could probably speak for all of us on the podcast that we believe that Helly can get it done. So, I mean... I it, don't, he hasn't been Vesna caliber, but he has also turned it on in the last few weeks of the season now he's facing an unbelievable amount of shots per night most in the nhl and recently he's he's been keeping winnipeg games that maybe they should have been out of by the second period yeah yeah uh, daniel and i uh chatted chatted a little bit about this with uh we were talking about the moose and just uh the the goaltending situation but when it comes down to the playoffs really um it's a seven game series it's just you and one other team 
and one of you has to get to four wins before the other one. So a lot of this, like the, the, the numbers and everything, it's, it's all interesting to see how they, they track and everything. But even talk about like, uh, goal, goaltending numbers. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the whole idea that you could just flip a switch because obviously you've built up to this point, but you had to play up hockey, you know, some good goaltending, couple lucky bounces can be the difference in the series, right? When you're just talking win four, four games before the other team. So, um, and based on that, the small sample size, I think the Jets in small sample sizes, uh, or small, yeah, small sample sizes, um, have had some moments, right? I mean, uh, just kind of looking over here, um, I, I'm back into January so far as, as looking at this while you're talking, but I mean, we've had a couple four game winning streaks and we've had a couple three game losing streaks, right? There hasn't been, um, huge run where, you know, St. Louis, I think, had that 11 games in a row, which that part alone is a bit scary. But, uh, um, yeah, it also seems like, uh, you know, they, they, the Jets win, win more than they lose and they don't really get in long slumps of losing. Um, but at the same time, you could argue the same about the winning. So, um, when looking at the stats and, and how they track part of it, as much as it's interesting, right? And it kind of paints a picture of who these teams are, uh, in the small, you know, playoff time, some of it gets thrown out the window, right? So, um, it's well, interesting. With how cold, with how hot and cold the Jets have been this season, for me, this is a tale of who shows up and which streak they're on. Right. Because yeah. I think this series is over in five games either way. Ooh. Either they absolutely get pounded right. and it's over in four or five, or they somehow flip that switch that we've been talking about for the last month or so. Do they have it in them? And maybe the playoff intensity and just the thought about what they went through last year kind of mm-hmm. heightens the the level of compete. Then I think they could do some damage. Yeah. Am I 100% optimistic that that switch can be flipped? No. But we have seen it a couple of weeks ago against Nashville in a playoff-style game. They they smacked the Preds around 5 nothing or 4 nothing. Yeah. And then against Arizona when home ice advantage was on the line. I know it's Arizona, but they just seem to have another gear that game. And they didn't win because Arizona played bad. They played, they won because they played good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Sorry, uh, just as we were looking here, though, I did find the Jets did have a, a five-game five winning streak. Well, I think it's sometimes like when, uh, to, to be fair, again, we talked about at the beginning of just trying to be balanced with our upcoming positive-negative uh, <laughs> takes for everyone to – you know, uh, thumb through and see what they, they want to take away from it. But, um, you know, you, you do have to give credit to the other team. It's not like, you know, even if you're a fan of a team, if a, another team plays better or does good things, I mean, you have to give credit to them for doing those things. It's not like uh, the other teams don't have professional hockey players on them or don't have uh, coaches or don't have training staff that help them heal up quick or whatever it is, right? They have all the same resources and all the same things that the Jets have. The Jets just happen to be our team. Right. And so we want them to do well. But uh, it's also, I think, important as a fan to sort of um, just temper your expectations to to be realistic of, of what could happen. And, and I'm not saying that because I think the Jets are going to lose. I, I think this first round at least is a is a coin flip. So it could go either way and I wouldn't really be surprised. But I would like to see at least if the Jets do lose, it'd be nice to see them go the distance against uh, uh, what has been a very good St. Louis team and just show that they can run with them. But uh, at this time they, they got the better of them, but obviously hopefully not. Hopefully we're uh, doing multiple podcasts into round two, three and four. Right. So that'd be, 
that'd be ideal. So you were you were totally right when you said that. Well, St. Louis has everything that Winnipeg has. Well, St. Louis has everything that Winnipeg has, plus one thing that matters almost more than anything going into the playoffs, and that's momentum. Right. Right. They again, they've been one of the best teams in the NHL, the entire league since Christmas. That's not a small sample size. That's three plus months. Yeah. Of playing very good hockey. Now you could argue that Winnipeg has more scoring talent and more. Um, playoff experience or a better goalie, but St. Louis is no cakewalk. No, they, they their record at the beginning of the year isn't who they are, and now the Winnipeg record at the end of the regular season isn't who they are either. So again, that's why it's really for me going to be a tale of um, who wins this thing quickly. Hmm. So you see it in five games. Yeah, I think most people probably have it uh, six or seven. But uh, that's a lot of people do. Yeah, I think they they say that they're going to beat up on each other, and it's going to be a rough go against Dallas or Nashville in the second round. Yeah, um, Dallas. I I don't see it that way. I see it being done fairly quick. Now, maybe that's just me not wanting to go through another seven game series because that Nashville series last year almost killed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we're we're forty eight hours away from one of these teams having a one nothing series lead, right? So yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So now talking about the the upcoming game. So I wanted to talk about the street party. I know that you attended a bunch of them. Uh, we hung out with uh, some of our friends and saw a bunch of people there. Uh, street parties now they're going to be charging five dollars. What uh, what's your take on how great they were last year? What you're anticipating this year? Do you think it'll be less attendance, or do you think it'll just uh, be about the same, or or or, or what? What what's I, your take I on the street party right being, now? I could see it being a bit less uh, attended, yeah. which isn't a word, which isn't terrible because last year it was so packed that you couldn't move. If you wanted to get from one side of the street to the other, it was going to take you five minutes of elbows up and just running straight ahead. <laughs> um, but there just isn't as much hype. Yeah, with a team that just hasn't been performing well lately, I, I think it will be really well attended. Maybe just not as much as last year. Right now, uh, I think five dollars entry is a great idea. I mean, it's not for profit; it's going directly to charity. But it's also holding people accountable that they're not just going out and picking up eight free tickets and then using two of them while other people are trying to get in. So that's kind of good that maybe more gets used and uh, and we won't see people just scooping up free ones and trying to sell them for money. And hey, charity is always good. So even if I, even if I'm not making it, I, I wouldn't have a problem throwing five bucks. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be a little less attended. I mean, at the beginning, even when you look at the Minnesota series, uh, that one wasn't that well attended because the weather wasn't that great either. Right. So as the weather gets better, um, just get, Hopefully deeper, right? Uh, we'll probably start to see more people. People will get over the the five five dollar cost. It's not a bad idea. Um, obviously, the organic nature of it at the the beginning was the coolest thing, but at some point, you know, we all got to sort of uh, you know, whether we like it or not, we're not the people trying to manage, um, uh, you know, uh, corralling ten to twenty thousand people 
you know, in places where they're not usually corralled, right? Like, I mean, when you're all sitting in your seats in the arena, everybody knows where you sit, man. Like, it's it's all there for you, right? So, but out in the streets, it's it's a little bit different. So, uh, I can appreciate the fact that they have to figure all that stuff out. I would love it if they were using the forks as well. And um, yeah, it just it, there is some hype lost uh, on it for for me. But at the same time, I went to a bunch last year that the hype was kind of down no matter what, right? Because, geez, I can't spend that much time and uh, money just going out every second night, right? So well, I, I think if you see Winnipeg um, kind of handle St. Louis in the first round, yeah. then the hype immediately returns for round two. And I think it's just as, as uh, popular and crazy as last year. Yeah. Especially if you face face Nashville, because there's so much rivalry there right now that I think everybody starts throwing in the cash again and, and really gets behind this thing. Yeah, that's true. I, people will definitely get up for a Nashville series. It'll be uh, fun. I don't think that it will be Nashville. I think it'll be Dallas. But um, there is something to be said for the bit of a rivalry we've built up with that team. So, um yeah, I guess I was going to just ask you about the playoff atmosphere in general, but I guess we kind of touched on that in the the, the street party. Uh, curious, are you planning on attending any games or no? I already have my tickets for Friday night game two, uh, yeah. street party tickets. Um, I'll be there with ex-contributor Glenn Saunders. I'm not sure if he's, if he's no. going to make an appearance again, but uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of you guys again. And uh They've been fun. I, I went to probably four last year, I'd like to say. Yeah. Um, I, I lost my downtown parking spot now, so I'm going to have to pony up 20 bucks for parking this time, but I think I'll get over it. I'll just have two less beers. Two less beers. There you go. There's your entry fee and there's your parking. Yep. So you're good. All right, uh, Ryan, is there anything else you want to uh, to touch on before we uh, shut her down and move along to, uh, I guess it's myself and, uh, and Mike talking next with all the positives that you can handle? Anything else before we go? Well, I would like to say one positive thing. Yeah, yeah, do it. The regular season's over. Oh, bazinga. Hey, actually, talking about the, the two teams being close, I mean, they both literally had 99 points and – were what one or two wins difference from each other. So really, we can expect a good series. This is not a, a far and away number one seed versus a barely squeak it in eight seed, right? I mean, this this first round will look, I think, a lot different and be a much more of a slugfest than the way the Jets pretty much walked over Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota had some moments there, but uh, they, they did win a game too. But I think... This uh, I think this will be good. I think uh, this will be a good series. Uh, people will get up for it, uh, but it, it's definitely not going to be an easy one. And oh well, who cares? You know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And right now, St. Louis, one of the best teams, are in the playoffs and they finished third in the in the Central. So let's uh, kick the shit out of them. <laughs> well, let's get them. Yeah. Hey, are you going to be there Friday? Uh, Friday, I'm not sure about the Friday uh, because I'm going to. I will be in the building on Wednesday. So, two okay, nights. So what time do you What time do you want me to pick you up on Friday? Okay. <laughs> All right. This is this is where we stop recording. Uh, well, you can <laughs> you can park in front of my place and uh, take a take a bus from here, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. It. I know that it is late, so that's actually kind of a, a, a nice thing that it is starting at eight thirty, and it is a Friday. So the big thing that we need to hope for now is a game one win, 
right? So then everyone's real hyped for Friday and then some nice weather for Friday. Then the street party will be real lit and everybody will be out. So that'll, the atmosphere will be extra, extra, um, exciting. So hopefully that's something we can look forward to. Some nice weather and a, and a game one win. And, uh, I'll let you know if I'm, I'm coming Friday. Uh, no idea yet. But if, uh, if anyone's looking for us, and want to fight us or, or whatever, or hug us, um, I'll be wearing a Heritage Classic jersey. Always wear that. And uh, Ryan will be wearing... Um, nothing. No, nothing. He's, he's coming to the streak party. It's it's a <laughs> streak party. It's yeah. a whiteout, and I... Uh, it, it's been a long winter. Ryan's I don't very, got, very white. I don't got that much of a 10, so I'm just trying to do my part. Yeah, go Five ahead. degrees. Five degrees Friday. Be there. Five degrees. All right. All right. We'll see. Okay. Thanks for doing this, Ryan. This is fun. All right. Thanks, AJ. Okay. Bye. All right. And I'm here with uh, Mike Friesen, uh, one of our two most positive contributors to the podcast, uh, the other one being Alistair. So Mike and I, we're going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to, you know, try and hit you with some questions and see if you could give us all the pros all the positives, all the reason why we as fans should really believe in this uh, Jets team and this potential cup run. So obviously starting out with the, the, the first first round, we'll focus mostly on that. But uh, yeah, Mike, thanks for uh, taking the time to do this. So let's, uh, let's get to the positives. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, shedding some sunshine all over, uh, all over this gloomy uh, Jets atmosphere. <laughs> well, you, you are literally always the most positive, and it's funny because you remind us of that uh, pretty often. And it's like, yeah, we know, Mike. We know. We, <laughs> we disagree with you. You know, I, sometimes we're, we're known for being too negative. But there, there is a lot of positive stuff. So uh, let's get uh, to it. So uh, we're going into this uh, first series. Jets are the uh what's the word uh the, i don't want to say overdog but they have the home ice advantage so the first two games are going to be in winnipeg uh we got uh, wednesday and friday coming up uh maybe the first thing we can get to is a home ice advantage well what, how do you you see that kind of shaking out uh and working in the jets favor that's got to be got to be a good thing for us right get back to those street parties um yeah uh, so maybe you could speak to that and also, uh, the, the record against St. Louis, I guess the Jets are actually three and one against, uh, St. Louis line. They had that five goal game. So just those two things kind of alone, is that, uh, is that a cause for, what's the opposite of concern? Cause for, uh, positive vibes, I suppose. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that obviously, like you said, the home ice advantage is an important factor. I was definitely relieved that, that the Jets did take care of business. On Saturday, got the two points, and yeah, so we'll start the series against St. Louis at home. Uh, I think that's that is important. Uh, I would not go and overstate that. I think I think some of the uh, advanced stats people out there, like I believe Micah Blake McCurdy, has recently kind of done some numbers on okay, if if home ice advantage is worth you know roughly two and a half percentage points, it over the course of over the course of a seven game series, we're talking we're talking a pretty slight. Uh, benefit if you look at if you look at what the mathematics guys say. Um, but having said that, you know the Jets have 99 points. Uh, the Blues finished with 99 points, and uh, and having home ice advantage, I think I would not be at all surprised if this series did go seven games. And uh, obviously, us as Jets fans, uh, True North as the people who cash our cash our, our checks and hmm. and deposit our credit card payments for that that seventh home game, we'll all be definitely glad that, that, that we do have home ice advantage. And I think it'll pay off for, 
for the for the players as well. Um, you know, especially considering the fact that there's been some talk about maybe some some negativity within the Jets dressing room as well. Uh, there's been some of that going around. So I think that I think the whiteout does matter, and uh, just the city will be going crazy again. And I think that that'll make a difference in the series. So uh, fingers crossed. But I think that's pretty fair to to hope for that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have uh, said this before too, but just even the idea of uh, a hard reset once you get into the playoffs. I mean, now there's the Jets have no other opponents. The standings are gone, right? Everything is just a hard reset. First team to four wins, that's it. I mean, a little bit of luck and some goaltending, you know, it, it, it feels like a bit of a coin toss with this, this series, but uh, there's no reason to, to think that the Jets can't, you know, get four wins before St. Louis, right? Right, exactly. I mean, it's a short, it's a short series, which, which um, we a lot of us have. There's there's a lot of negativity. I think even 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 with even with some of the more say normal fans, um, just you know it, the Jets did not finish the season on a high note. Uh, although it was good to beat Phoenix, yeah. But I mean, we know we know what I'm talking about. It, so we didn't finish on a high note. It's going to be a good thing that it's a seven game series. Uh, it's a reset. All of a sudden, <clears throat> the players are well aware. Like they've they've known. Um, I don't think it's a great excuse, but obviously that's definitely a factor. They know that there is no more excuses when the playoffs are on. It's just a different buzz. The crowd's wearing white. It's just a way different feeling. So with with yeah, I think that a reset will be reset switch as much as possible will be hopefully uh, flipped and. And yeah, I mean, if, as far as the fan experience goes, if we win Game One, uh, it's everything. Everything changes there. Like we're all we're all fans again, and, it's, and that would that feel great. I mean, if yeah. we if we lose and we look bad, then that's a different story. But I I think that there's a good chance that we have a great roster. Hey, let's let's flip the switch. Yeah, and and like yeah, the flip the switch. Like it's easy to kind of poo poo on that idea, but I mean, you know, the the old adage is uh, if you w- winning fixes everything, right? So I mean, you, you, like you say, you get into the building, the atmosphere is great. There's a white oath, and the Jets, you know, clean clean up whatever beat St. Louis four one in game one or something, right? There there we go. There's my prediction too. I'll just put it on record here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be at the game, so they they better win that damn game. But uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, if they win I, I that, think, I, I think mean, about flipping the switch. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say about flipping the switch. There was a twelve. Some of the guys on twelve ninety had Ray Ferraro on, and he did make a good point that, you know, not he didn't say this, but he was kind of meaning that, okay, well, if the Jets are hoping to flick the switch come game one of the playoffs, he just was pointing out that yeah, St. Louis is also planning on flicking the switch, yeah, uh, even more on game one of the playoffs. So, I I, don't, I totally acknowledge that. I just think that, I just think that the Jets. Probably, I think there's a good chance that their flick the switch factor might be a little bit more than what St. Louis has. So, right, I will see. We'll see. Well, and uh, I think part of it, like what I was going to get to, was just even for their own room sake, where some of the rumors I know Mike McIntyre has reported on it, uh, right? And I think we've we've heard, heard the rumblings of a, a, a rift in the room. I think it's not uh, implausible, unplausible. I don't know what the word is. Anyhow, that that isn't a thing. So, but um, it just for their own room's sake and for their, you know, confidence and, and all this stuff. I mean, uh, sometimes I don't really believe in that stuff uh, that that affects people that much, but for the bit that it does affect it, um, winning on home ice, getting that, that one game up, uh, being in the building, that atmosphere might sort of just 
uh, what's the word? Um, solidified everyone's buy-in, right? At least for the you know for the Jets part. I mean, uh, what the other team does and the credit that they deserve and are, are due for their own accomplishments or what they're able to eke out of their team. That's that's their own thing. But I mean, the Jets are only responsible for their their own part. So if they can do their own part well, then uh, and and something in that flips the switch for them that they're doing it better than they have been. Um, that's 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 a good thing, right? So um, I was going to ask you though. Excuse me. We talked about uh, another playing St. Louis. They both finished with 99 points. I mean, uh, you, you kind of made a little mention to it that they didn't play that well down the stretch. Uh, so missing out on you know a banner, I, uh, I suppose uh, the, the Central Division banner would seem well really within their grasp. Yeah, it's it, like that is disappointing, and that should be noted, and and people shouldn't forget about that and just kind of sweep it under the rug. But I'm actually more curious about the the matchup and and how things favor or don't favor uh, the Jets. And maybe uh, you don't have to put up necessarily a positive spin on this, but I mean, had the Jets been um, had had won the division instead of Nashville, it looks like they would have been playing. Uh, who is it? They're playing. They would have played. I'm pulling up the standings right now. Uh, Dallas, right? Um, right. Yeah. So uh, and and for me personally, um, I find Dallas actually a pretty scary team. I've seen other people mention that online. So just banner aside, do you think it's uh, in the Jets' favor that they're facing St. Louis? Is that a bit more of a coin flip than maybe uh, the clear favorite against a team that is, I wouldn't say surging, but maybe can be dangerous and has also, uh, th- that has had the Jets' number this year. I think the Jets are 1-3 against Dallas or 1-4 or something like that. And uh, they're three and one against St. Louis. So just by the record, the, you know the standings, uh, uh, the Jets yeah, have I, done better. I, I, I know what St. you're Louis, getting so. at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just curious your take the, on the, on that. Well, definitely, I, I definitely have been kind of watching that. I know. I remember you've been kind of the first. You've been kind of the first person to kind of be like, "Hey, watch out for Dallas, right?" That's that was your calling card for a long time. If still is. Mistaken. Still is. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So, but you were not definitely as of you know starting at least a few weeks ago. I think there was a lot of you know people that have smart hockey takes that had definitely come to your side on Dallas, and for that reason, you brought it up. Maybe you do have a point that St. Louis maybe is a slightly better matchup. I saw some people posting their brackets already, and and uh, and many people are predicting Dallas to actually make it past Nashville. So yeah. So they they um, Dallas is a good team. Yeah. Uh, so are the Jets and so are the Blues and et cetera. But but yeah, maybe we've dodged a bullet. I I I can't say whether I don't follow St. Louis and Dallas close enough to to consider myself any kind of an expert on them. <laughs> um, but uh, but I but I would point out that while the Jets have won, I think you said we're three and one against St. Louis this year. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Something like that. Saying, yeah, just like when when were those wins, right? That's that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. When St. Louis was before, before before the Jets turned into bad Jets over right. the second half. So yeah, and, that's, and that's before St. Thing, Louis no, I just, played better too. I mean, you know, what's their rookie goalie going to be like? Um, we you know we get we get sounds like we get Morrissey back. We just got Buff back. I mean, we're there's some tangible things here at play too. So. Yeah, actually, yeah, that yeah. was going to be one of my questions, just about getting those players back and getting uh, uh, <laughs> Morrissey back. 
although there's still some rumors that he will not be back for round one. But we did just recently get Buff back, which uh, changes, obviously, the dynamic of the, the lineup. Uh, how big of an impact is that, uh, <laughs> do you think? I guess part of Buff coming back, though, is also who goes out and comes in. I mean, anyone who's ever listened to the podcast and us know that we'd probably prefer to have uh, Niku in over, you know, Sharat <laughs> or, or Moro, any of those guys. So, you know, bringing Buff back in is great, but also uh, maybe subtracting too much to make it happen. And I know a lot of people love Ben Sharat. That's fine, whatever that's uh, – but, uh, again, from uh, for most of us at the podcast, I'd say we'd all say Niku is a stronger player and should have had enough opportunity to be – veteran-esque by the time we got to the playoffs here, right, to to be able to contribute a, a little bit more. Um, For but sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, to the to the addition of, of Buff coming back and maybe some of the players right now, like who's who's surging, who's hot, who's uh, doing uh, doing stuff that seems like they could carry that maybe into the playoffs. I know you, you did mention, I guess, in the last, what, seven games, I think we were two and five. Uh, so it wasn't a great end to the season. It's probably hard to find anyone who's surging. But, again, with this – idea of a reset quote unquote um i think uh maybe some people do find their new game maybe this little bit of a rest uh i mean i'm trying to remember after the all-star break if the jets came out flat or if they came out well after the finland trip you know in that break did they come out well or or whatnot after the christmas break um you know having a little bit of rest uh, can uh, people sell that as like oh that'll be the real good positive thing for them. But again, the other teams get in the rest too. But also sometimes when teams have long breaks, uh, it ends up somehow working against them. So I, I don't know if it's actually meaningful because you could really sell the narrative either way and both sound equally convincing. But uh, yeah, just to the the players coming back and, and maybe what this means for some of the guys who've been slumping and quiet, What do you what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that whatever your take on the, on the woes that have, uh, you know, befallen the Jets, it, since since Christmas or January first, like it's been a long time, but you know a lot of a lot of people, uh, myself included, have definitely started to have questions raised about the coach and you know are, is this player sick or injured or what? Um, whatever you think about that, obviously one of the ingredients to make the team better was to get their two two of their top three defensemen back, and now it apparently is happening. I know the Sun, someone from the Winnipeg Sun had at least had reported that that more Josh Morrissey would have played uh if the on Saturday if that was a playoff game. So hmm. is that maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of spin to to kind of mess with St. Louis's plans, who knows? Uh we'll find out I guess on Wednesday, but that having Buff and Morrissey back is um is a, is obviously a game changer for the Jets. Uh we all know it. Um having Kulikov and Myers as the top 4 minutes was not ideal, and um, and I think that we're all okay with those days being over. Right. Um, Buff, uh, you know, now now that Buff's back, I mean, he's taken that first point on the power play. Oh wait. Um, uh, but uh, but no, it's still better. It's it's much it's much better to have Buff back. It will be probably even more of a game changer to have Morrissey back because the Jets then finally have three legit uh, first pair defensemen. Uh, their bottom three, I'm not, and many of us are not as bullish on, uh, but they all, you know, Tyler Myers as a third-pairing defenseman that can jump into the rush is, uh, is in my opinion, still a good thing. Uh, and, and I remember in the playoffs last year was he was, uh, he was a difference maker, and that, and that 
him being back down towards the 15, 16 minute mark is, is going to be a really good thing for his play and, and for the Jets. So, right. yeah, I'm happy to have those guys back. And that's a tangible thing to, to pin some hopes on. Maybe not, don't, don't put the weight of the world on, on Morrissey coming back, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really good thing. And that's, and it's going to make a difference. So, right. All right, so uh, one thing that we did uh, chat about that we wanted to get to was the Jets finished with 99 points. Uh, they finished second in the Central. But their first playoff season, this is our third playoff season since the Jets have uh, been back, the Jets also got 99 points. They ended up playing Anaheim in the, the first round as, a, I believe, an eight seed, right? And Anaheim was a, a one. Maybe there were two and a seven, something like that. But, um, yeah. Uh, we want to do a little bit of a comparison of those two seasons. Actually, here's a little interesting note. The Anaheim Ducks actually had the exact same record as the St. Louis Blues that season. So there you go, the full circle of life. So we, in our first playoff season, we <laughs> got 99 points and played a team that has the same record as the team that uh, um, we're about to play now. So And now to be clear, you're saying the 2014-2015 Ducks and Blues yeah, the same record. Yes, right? yes. That season? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. exactly. Yeah, I think they I both know, had a hundred and hundred and nine. Having that symmetry, having that symmetry there, right? Because because the Jets, uh, you know, for so long we were had this this Jets fan debate, being like, "Well, look at the standings. Well, the team's not that good. Well, look at the standings." And um, you know, for all of that debate that we had, the team did end up with ninety nine points, which was the same amount of points as we had in in the first year we made the playoffs when we. We kind of just squeaked in. I think we. Yeah, I think uh, they're they're an eight seed, and they're they're eight, yeah, yeah, they're an eight right, seed, yeah. and they were fifth in the central. That's what it was. Anaheim was first overall, so they played us, and then uh, St. Louis played Minnesota uh, as from a second seed to a to a, a seven. So they, yeah, anyhow. Yeah, so I I think that's. I mean, I'm I have I'm definitely I think like you say I'm I I like to see both sides. I can definitely see the positive side, um, but it's good to keep in mind the context. I think it's interesting for us to just kind of look at the players that we have, the roster of uh, this year compared to what we had in 2015. And I think it's just sort of interesting as fans to look at it and kind of wonder why, well, why did, you know, we had, you know, Andre Pavlik and Hutchinson as the goalies last in the 2015. Well, this year we had Michael Hutchinson and, and a strong performance from, from Laurent Brossois in that. So, Right. Just kind of go, you know, starting with the goaltending out to defense and to the forward lines, and and uh, <laughs> I mean it's a it's a it's a world it's a much improved team on paper, but it's interesting that you know after all that they ended up with the same amount of points, isn't it? Yeah. Well, here I'm just gonna throw this out here because you could talk about the the lineup a little bit just because it is kind of fun. But I did tweet out earlier um, from the Jet Center account that the two ninety nine point season again, our first and third playoff years of twenty fourteen fifteen to twenty eighteen nineteen is the comparison here. Uh twenty fourteen fifteen they had forty three wins, twenty six losses and thirteen uh, overtime losses for ninety nine points. Um in twenty eighteen nineteen forty seven wins, so four more wins, thirty losses, so four more losses, but only five overtime losses. So uh some of those losses uh this year um had they had as many of them go to overtime uh, as they did in 2014-15, it seemed like it'd be a, a no-brainer. They'd be miles ahead. But uh, the Jets didn't have that many games actually go to overtime. I think they were probably a month and a half, two months in before they even had an overtime game. Uh, I remember at one point there it was them and I think two other, two or yeah, two maybe three other teams that uh, were some of the last ones standing that had had, had games that had gone to overtime at all. Um, I, 
feel like that's right. I don't know. Somebody could fact check it if you really care, but um, I, they they didn't have that many overtime games, and so that gave both teams uh, 99 points um, in 2014-15. 230 goals for uh, this year, 272 goals for so uh, 42 goals swing, uh, but also in 2014-15 only 210 goals against. And this year, 244, so a 34 goal swing. So it's, uh, this year it looks like we're obviously pumping out way more offense, uh, about half a goal a game, but we're also giving up another 34 goals. And, uh, oh, yeah, so yeah. You, you, so, you know, I looked up, um, you know, on that note, I was, I looked up. So last year in the 2017, 2018 jet, uh, we also scored like 277 goals, I think it was. Right. But what that boils down to is we kind of had, um, like last year's team was this year's elite offensive producing team, uh, plus 2014-2015 uh, really elite defensive team, and we had both last year, which is which is really quite impressive. I think our goal differential last year was in the high 60s or low 70s, I think. So, oh wow! So just yeah. Even, so uh, and which which I think this year like that puts us not at Tampa Bay level, but that was that's a that's a very that's a high end uh, goal differential to have accumulated. So yeah, yeah last year was really good. And uh, yeah, exactly. Like the contrast from last year to this year, when people say, "Oh, what's happened last year?" You know, or, or or this season, why aren't we as good as last year? And I mean, there's a couple additions and some tractions of players, but generally running, you know, the same guys, same systems, and you know, some players have crazy years. I think this is Shifley's most goals scored in the year, 38, and Blake Wheeler, I believe ended up setting the franchise record for assists. So, I mean, as as bad as they've played at times, for lack of a better term, um, they actually had some nice numbers, some nice results. Um, but uh, Lionel's obviously scored, goal scoring was down a little bit. Connors was up uh, a bit, whatever. We won't go through all, all the players. Um, but yeah, just to kind of, again, touching on the comparison of the season. So um, I'm wondering what you can say about the, the lineup and who was actually in it and, and maybe where some of those those differences of getting more offense. I think where we get the more offense now maybe makes sense, but maybe who some of the players are that added um, maybe better defense, whether it's actual D-men or the goaltending or um, some defensive forwards that might've been difference yeah. makers there. Right. I, and I think that's, I think that's, that's actually fairly instructive when we just look at, just kind of take this brief look back at the regular season or, or, or even just the team that we're taking into the playoffs. Uh, which is that what jumps out at you on paper is, wow, if you have second overall Patrick Laine listed right now on the third line, Nikolai Ehlers is on the second line. We have, like, we have these elite offensive players dotting the lineup. Yeah. Um, the, where the difference with the 2015 team is that they had players like Michael Frolik, uh, Lee Stemniak was more of a depth player, but, but Frolik and Stempniak and, and Adam Lowry had just had just emerged as a really powerful two way player. Yeah, first um, goal, first playoff goal, right? Right, he scored the first playoff goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Last year, Shifley um, had the first one against Minnesota on the power play, I believe. Um, Yuri Tolusi too, I think, was another. <laughs> just talk about the depth players and stuff. He was another one to to add add to the list of guys there. But sorry, I'll carry on. No, but 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 you're exactly right. Andrew Ladd, uh, Brian Little, and and again. These these are the 2014-2015 seasons of of these players, and uh, the, I think the long story short, and you know, tip of the hat to, to Tony, um, the the, uh, the fellow we, a lot of us know on Twitter, but 
he has pointed out just that that was a team that had some very strong two-way defensively responsible forwards on it. Right. And, um, and yeah, we've, what, what we've kind of noticed from the Jets a lot of, a lot of the season is, well, we're getting outshot fairly consistently in games and we're, yes, we're relying on some elite finishing skills or, or power play performances, but, uh, but that shot, that shot generation or shot suppression just kind of isn't happening. And I think that's maybe one of the things that we can, that we can keep in mind. And, you know, the coach, you know, to come back to the coach, he's not, he's not giving a ton of ice time to Andrew Kopp and Matthew Perot and, and uh, some of the players that, that are more, known more as play drivers right. on the Jets. So, so there's maybe, there's maybe some, some points to quibble with there, but yeah. But yeah, but yeah, as far as the forwards go, we have a much more high offense, a high octane, high octane offense team. And yeah. I would definitely say it's still much more talented. I don't know what you think. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, uh, They're definitely more talented. That that team before though, like you said, it, it's almost like they played to their strength because there was some uh, defensively sound players there, and so and, and maybe not as much uh, scoring talent. So they played a game that suited their style a bit more. And it feels like this year, you know, when we've all kind of uh, complained, obviously this is supposed to be the positive time though, but uh, maybe not playing a style that really suits them. I mean, uh, I, I know Tony has said it. I, I believe Marat has said it. And uh, I, I mean, some of us have had, talked about it in private conversations too, just from the podcast. It's like the Jets have enough scoring talent to uh, there to, um, to get in a track meet. It's almost like, why would you not want to get a track meet? Why not just bury teams with your, your speed and your skill? But it's almost like they're playing a, um, I don't know if I'd say it's a defensive game. It's a, it's more of a slow labored game. I know um, yeah. I saw an argument today about speed of the game versus pace of the game, but it, it feels like the Jets could really just shove it down team's throat if they really wanted. But um, uh, my, my right, argument. Positive doesn't mean, positive doesn't mean saying that, Harlan Holm is Sidney Crosby or whatever. Like that's not, right. that's not my definition of positivity or anything. I, I think that, I, I think that, I think that you're right though. And when you look at the forwards, you think, boy, like if we could just get the puck to the forwards and, and send wave after wave of scoring talent at the team. Yeah. I, I mean, you kind of, you kind yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Just spread the, just spread the talent throughout and make every line of parts to match. Uh, you know, you can make three, uh, almost four like really dangerous scoring lines and just make it difficult. And I mean, if you win every game, you know, uh, six to four, you still win every game, right? It's so uh, I'm okay with giving up the goals if it's exciting, fast-paced hockey. But uh, the Jets have struggled, it seems, and this is why uh, I was scared of Dallas, was uh, it seems like they struggled against teams that, and I, I feel like I said this on the podcast, and we should probably wrap up soon here anyhow, but uh, uh, against teams that have actually played fast the way that they should, and they seem to have also struggled against teams that have really slowed things down a bit, like a, a team that maybe doesn't have the same depth, like a, a Dallas or a Minnesota, again, another uh, team not even in the playoffs, right? And we have a, a we're 0-5 against them this season, right? And Dallas, another kind of mostly slow, they have basically one line, whatever, um, they kind of, you know, muck things up, slow it, slow it down. The Jets have struggled. But when it comes to teams that just, like I like to say, muddle in the middle, it's like that's where the Jets are elite. So, I mean, really for St. Louis if uh, or any team that the Jets are going to face in these playoffs, it feels like if we're playing a team that's slow or fast, uh, we might struggle. But uh, I, that's why I think St. Louis we match up with okay because it feels like what I know about their game again, like you said, I uh, I don't follow every little thing that they do, but I feel like it's probably um, 
similar with the amount of talent they have, with the speed of the game that they have. Maybe, maybe I'm being really ignorant by saying this, but um, yeah, it, it it feels like uh, we can run with them a little bit more. So uh, I, I have some positive feelings about our, our chances in this round. It feels like a bit of a coin flip, but that feels better than um, uh, what we should be saying about the Jets, given how they played this last little bit here and how they've maybe got lucky all season to to be where they're at, right? Where the the play hasn't been as good as it should have been and certainly not in the last uh, hey. seven games. So, yeah. All right, hey, this is positive hour. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Well, I'm we'll trying forget, to... Uh, forget. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm giving context I mean, I to the to positivity. Point, I, I just, I think to your point, yeah, I mean, I think that the, like, St. Louis Blues are probably just well-versed at this point and, okay, well, what did Minnesota Wild do against the Jets? Like, let's just try that. Uh, I'm sure they're game planning exactly like you said, but uh, I mean, but at the same time, the Jets are, the Jets are getting healthy and the Jets are going to be doing the same. I mean, if, if they want to go anywhere in the playoffs, they're going to need to um, eventually not just, you know, there's no excuses anymore. Right. So, right. Um, but, but yeah, I happen to think that I happen to think that the Jets have a real good chance to get past the Blues and they still have a potentially, they don't, they, it's not like they're the, the, you know, have the same bracket as like a team like Boston Bruins have. They, it's uh, it's this this is a bracket that a team like the Jets can work with. So, right. you know, let's get at it. Yeah, and uh, we're planning on doing uh, podcasts after every single game coming up. So those of you listening, you can look forward to that because we'll try and do a, a review. Not obviously. Uh, two hours long or anything after every game. But uh, uh, last thing, Mike, uh, what's your prediction for – well, la- last two things. First, what's your prediction for the series? Uh, obviously, you're going to go with the Jets, but uh, how many games do you think? Do you think this has to go the distance in order to for them to win, or do you think they can – capable of sweeping these these yahoos? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, so well, first off, I was going to actually ask you. I was going to be like, I got to – you got to get the guys together. We got to do a podcast where I, I want to hear everyone's over-under on how many games the Jets are going to win this playoff. That's what I'm interested in. Right. I want to know I want to know that. I want to know the over-under on Sammy Niku uh, uh, games played. I want to know it all. Matt Hendricks game played. That's what I'm looking for. Ooh, yeah, that, we didn't even get to Hendricks stuff. So, We're going to keep it positive. Still recording. You're on re- I'm on record as throwing that out there. So. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, um, so, but, so what do you have? Jets and how many? Uh, yeah, I'm picking Jets and seven. Oh, you're going. Okay, yeah. go the distance. I don't think it's the cake. I don't think it's the block. I don't think staying in a series in seven is courageous at all. But that's kind of how I see it going. Right. Yeah. I, so I, game seven is going to be a party in Winnipeg, man. Come I'm going to go with uh, in six games. It seems a little bit predictable that I'd say that. But uh, now the last thing is, uh, are you going to be attending? In case any of our listeners want to fight you, can they find you at the street party or in the building or at home or somewhere um, else? <laughs> Yeah, uh, hold on. I'll just post my address here. Uh, you can post it on the blog. And uh, oh wait, but if people are gonna fight me, then I'll post. Um, what's your address again? Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so I'm trying to think of the address for Bell MTS. I got nothing though. Right. Yeah. No, man. Um, I I love I love being on the home games. I love going out and and bringing a bit of money and and spending it at the bars and just kind kind of being around the game. That's that's how I roll. I think actually that I'm gonna make a point of going to one of the street parties i've kind of come around to the to the five dollar thing i i I actually think that's kind of a kind of a responsible cool fair fair thing i it's it's not usually that's usually not myself but i think it's cool and um yeah i want to check one of those out other than that the road games i usually 
uh, save a bit of money and just have get together with people at home or whatever. That's kind of how I do it. So. All right. Okay. Well, I, if anybody wants to fight me, I'll be in the building for game one. And uh, <laughs> then I will not oh, be. Oh, you are right on. Good, man. Yeah, I will be in the building game one on Wednesday. I'll be upper deck with all the other uh, people with not much money to spend. <laughs> what section, man? What section are you going to be in? So I'll be uh, section 322, <laughs> where I usually okay. am. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, because because we're uh, we're in we're in 316 and stuff. That's that's always. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I like knowing what people what section people are going to be in. That's yeah. awesome, man. I I I hope that it's a. Oh, uh, it's a pretty wild atmosphere. I hope that it's. I uh, hope that we all forget about the last. You know the the locker room uh, rottenness or whatever, or just just negativity. I I hope that it's just a lot of fun for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it'll be good. I think especially because of game one. So it'll be, as the kids like to say, lit. I don't think the kids say that anymore. But, yeah, it'll be fun. So I'll be there for game one. And then I probably uh, won't have tickets available until third round, if at all. So um, yeah. th- that'll be me. But I'll definitely uh, – the, the street party on Friday, I think, later game, that one will probably be a good one to go to. So uh, fight me at the street party if you find me. I'll be the guy I'll wearing lie. a Heritage Classic jersey. Oh, right on, man. Hey, well, hey, we went we went a little bit over, like, uh, you know, about 15 minutes because there's just so much positive stuff to talk about. There's so much positivity. No one could ever accuse us of not being positive. Hopefully, I haven't listened to it yet, but hopefully we went longer than uh, Roddy and Paul, uh, who their their job was to trash the team and tell us why we shouldn't uh, cheer for the Jets and why they're definitely going to lose. So um, that was on purpose. We brought, Mike brought the positivity. Those guys are supposed to bring the negativity, and uh, and maybe and all you fans listening can contrast that to. Can't say that we're not being fair, and uh, see which side you fall on, or see how you find yourself in the middle. So anyhow, thanks for taking the time to do this, Mike. This is a lot of fun. Uh, let's go to bed. <laughs> let's let's go to bed. Go Jets. Go. I'm I'm. Uh, weather weather's finally warming up too. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it's nice for Friday, uh, especially because I think that'll be the party to be at. So okay, we'll oh, yeah. see you around, Mike. Thanks again. Right on. Thanks, AJ. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Uh, hey, this is Roddy with the Jet Centric Podcast here with fellow contributor Paul Quay. How's it going, Paul? It's going well. Awesome. So we're here doing a playoff preview and um, just uh, want to get your thoughts on how you think the Jets will do this year. Well, like uh, I guess the uh, the Joker in the Dark Knight, I'm the uh, I'm the guy who gets to watch the world burn and and pick on the negatives as to uh, as to why I think St. Louis is going to uh, to win the series. So, um, I mean, just to start out, basically, I guess I would look at uh, you know everybody who's uh, probably on the positive side, saying, hey, the records are are pretty equal. We were uh, tied at points, etc., etc., etc. But I mean, when you get into it, uh, and I think most people know this. Um, both the Jets and the Blues had two halves uh, of the season, and they were um, basically um, interchanged. The Jets had the the hot start, the Blues had the hot finish, and uh, you know, as we know for the for the playoffs, it's all about who goes in when they've got their game um, on point, and they you know they're riding the hot goaltender or whatever the case may be. So, um, just some numbers that I dug up earlier uh, were you know, around the, uh, around the, the records for the, for the blues and the jets. I mean, they were very, obviously in points that were tied, they were very close as far as wins were concerned, but since January 1st, 
the Blues are 33-10-5, and and the Jets are only 23-17-3. and Now, uh, they started out cold. We played them uh, four times, all before December uh, 7th. And the last game, we actually lost to them one nothing. Um, and the other games we won, obviously, but all before the Blues uh, kind of turned their season around. So, you know, when I look at it on the surface, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's close, it's tied as far as points are concerned. But really, the the hot team coming in is uh, is the St. Louis Blues. So who who do we have to watch or why do you think St. Louis has the advantage otherwise, other than records coming in? Um, do you think they have a distinct advantage in, in any area on the ice? Well, right now, if you want to, you know, when we go into the playoffs, any any playoff year, you know, pick a year. Last year, we got burned by a hot goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury uh, against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So when we come into uh, this first series, one of the hottest goalies in the league is Jordan Bennington, who's playing for the St. Louis Blues, obviously. Um, he's uh, 24-5-1. and uh, only played 32. He's a rookie, but uh, 32 games this year, 24, 5, and 1. Uh, 1.89 goals against and a 9.27 save percentage. And you compare that with uh, with uh, Connor Hellebuck right now, 62 games this year, so 30 more games, uh, but almost like it's a full goal against uh, extra. So he's a 2.9 with a 9.13 save percentage overall. So it's not too bad, but. Uh, if you take off the first three starts that Bennington made this year, which were uh, one in September and two in December, uh, all losses and all with very low save percentages. Um, you know, his uh, actually there was a loss and two no decisions. So he would be, uh, you know, 24, four and one since January 7th. So that's, uh, I mean, I don't know if you could really uh, pick a hotter goaltender going into the playoffs. And I think, if anything, that's going to be one of the main differences uh, going into this series is whether um, that rookie goaltender is going to maintain his hot his hot start. Mm-hmm. Okay, so goaltenders goes to the Blues, then, in your opinion. Goaltenders, I think, goes to the Blues. If Connor Hellebuck can regain his form from last year, um, that's one thing. But, uh, I mean... Uh, uh, Bennington's been uh, been pretty hot down the stretch, and uh, he doesn't show any signs of, uh, of of slowing up. Okay, so since we started at goalie, um, let's let's rate the defense. Who wins the battle of defensemen? When we come- well, right now, um, right now, I, I I mean, I think it's it's pretty much a draw on defense. Um, you've got uh, you know some of the uh, the Blues defenders. I mean, um, not. You know they're not terrible. They don't stand out, but they're uh, you know. Do we have Dustin Bufflin? Uh, Dustin Bufflin, yes. Uh, does Morrissey come back in one piece? And I think it's more about the question marks on our defense versus the ones on the St. Louis defense. So in that essence, I'd almost call it a draw. But if we you know we come out and we have um, you know if uh, Morrissey comes back and and he plays very well, that's one thing. If we see some more stuff like we've seen out of, uh, let's say, uh, um, Dmitry Kulikov and, and Tyler Myers have had some issues of late um, and that becomes an issue, then, you know, you've got guys on the St. Louis team that are going to, going to take advantage of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that next, but guys like Tarasenko and Steen and, and, uh, and, and Ryan O'Reilly. So, you you brought up an interesting point. It, it, Josh Morrissey looks like he's on track um, to play. Who draws out of the lineup? 
Well, actually, I was asked this uh, the other day. My, uh, you know, my choice, to be honest, would be Dmitry Kulikov. I, I, I mean, I like Nathan uh, Beaulieu. He, since he's come on, he's been very steady. And there were some people suggesting that he would be the guy to come out. But, uh, I mean, he's been one of the best guys uh, since that trade deadline. I mean, outside of Kevin Hayes and the points that he's picked up and some of the steady play that he's he's had, uh, I would say that Beaulieu's been probably uh, an equal uh, pickup because of the holes we had on defense, and he's been very steady. But when you look at the play of the Jets' defense uh, since Morrissey went down, I mean, Sherratt's had some iffy games. Kulikov and Myers, I mean, they've been on the ice for a couple of the uh, of the late game meltdowns where we've actually uh, lost the games in the last couple of seconds to, uh, I think it was Minnesota and the New York Islanders. I think both of them were on the ice. So when you, you know, when you have those guys kind of having iffy games and the other guys being steady, maybe if they got less minutes, that'd be one thing. But uh, I mean, I think, I think Kulikov's the guy I would pull. But I'm thinking that uh, Bolu is going to be the guy that uh, Maurice decides to pull. <laughs> Which we'll get to that in a second. But um, in that case, you just expect uh, Morrissey to slot into to his old role with Jacob Truba then. Yeah, that would be my expectation. I, I'm still wondering why, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, Dustin Bufflin. I didn't catch all of the game against Arizona, but. Um, I still wonder why Dustin Bufflin hasn't, uh, you know, put some more time in on that power play and they've still got Truba out there. Um, he's, you know, obviously a good shot and obviously he was a filler there for a while, but I mean, you can't question the fact uh, that uh, teams have been basically allowing the uh, Jets power play to have the high shot from the point. And I think part of that is because uh, Bufflin is more dangerous than Truba. And I mean, in my estimation, he does have 50 points, but um, team, you can see teams, they're taking away that, that those lanes down low to try and get it to Shifley and line a, and they're saying, okay, you, you want to take a shot? Here you go. I think more teams will be more cognizant of Dustin Bufflin back there than, uh, than Jacob Truba. He's suspect for sure. Like it's, it's a, it's a head scratcher for sure. Why he hasn't been there? I don't know. I don't know if I can give Maurice enough credit to, to say that he's slow playing a little bit, but, um, well, when you watch that, when, well, when you watch the the, the footage, uh, like the, the coaching staff has to watch this footage and you see literally everything around the net on the power play being gummed up and taking away those lines, those uh, those lanes to try and get the pass to Shifley or Line A, um, they're, they're basically daring the Jets to take shots from the point. And, and that tells me they're probably not afraid from uh, of Tyler Meyer's shot or Jacob Trupa's as much as they would sure. be or were of Dustin Bufflin's. Yeah, much heavier shot for sure. Um, and everything gets driven from that. But, you know, the Jets' power play has been suffering even before uh, Bufflin going going down. They were, you know, pretty much since since January on a downward slide. But um, it, well, it they is... Were, and they were, they were hot early. I mean, they finished with, I think it's just under 25% if I looked at the numbers properly. So they actually have the edge on the on the power play. The, uh, the, uh, the Blues are 21, uh, just over 21. The Jets are just under 25 and the uh, the uh, penalty killing, I believe, for the Blues is 78%. So um, maybe that gets us a bit of an advantage, or I should say the Jets a bit of an advantage. Um, but it really depends, uh, like I say, if those numbers have been sliding, that 24% could still be riding that inflated uh, first half of the season. Right. So let's, let's go up front now. Uh, who, who do you think has the advantage up front? Well, if you look at the numbers again, and I mean, 
uh, we're again looking at numbers from the whole season. I mean, we we do have the advantage, or the the Jets do have the advantage as far as uh, like goal scorers up front and players up front. So you got Shifley with thirty eight goals, you got Connor with thirty four, Liney with thirty, uh, and then it drops off to Ehlers with twenty one and, and uh, Wheeler with twenty. Now, when you go over to the to the Blues, Tarasenko leads them with thirty three, O'Reilly has twenty eight, and Perron has twenty three, and then it drops off uh, to seventeen. I think Braden Shen. Um, uh, or uh, yeah, Shen has uh, 17. So, you know, we've probably got a deeper core as far as uh, goal scoring ability. But when you look at the last, uh, for instance, 15 games for Patrick Lining, he has a goal and four assists for five points. If you look at Shifley, he has, uh, you know, in his last two games, he's got three points, two goals and assist. But if you look at the 15 games previous to that, he's only got four goals and two assists uh, for six points. So, uh, those kind of numbers over th- that kind of stretch over 15 or 17 games as the, as the, uh, the numbers were here, um, that doesn't bode well for, uh, you know, how the team is, is feeling, how it's flowing. Uh, maybe uh, Bufflin's uh, absence and Morrissey's absence have something to do with that. But I mean, uh, anybody who's watched the team in the last, uh, in the last little bit could say they just, they just, they're lacking some kind of flow. And I mean, as much as, as much as they're lacking flow, the Blues seem to be very consistent. So in the last uh, last ten um, for the Jets, they're four, five, and one. Blues are eight, one, and one. And if you you know the Jets in the in the last half since January six, when the Blues got hot, for instance, um, when it comes in in uh, when you're talking about the Jets, they've had two streaks. One was six and one from about the sixth of January to the seventeenth of January, and then one in March there when they were five and one just before with, you know, culminating in that Nashville win, which was probably one of their best games of the season. But after they clinched against, uh, after they clinched against Nashville, um, they're two, four and one. So, and, and they had a chance to win the division. So, you know, there was stuff on the line. It wasn't like they, you know, were just laying back and saying, Hey, let's, maybe they were, maybe they were just saying, let's wait for the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, you want to win your first division title as a team, I would think. And to go two, four and one doesn't exactly build confidence going into the playoffs. Yeah. That's the most concerning for me because it's pretty much been playoff hockey for the last three weeks. And um, the results just, just aren't there and the execution is not there. And that's, what's the most concerning to me. Also what's concerning is the fact that I think that Shifley and Wheeler are gassed and, you know, those 25 minute games in January, and uh, February, <laughs> or kind I, of I think the uh, yeah, well, and I think we've talked about it many times on the podcast. Is is yeah. uh, you know uh, line usage, uh, you know player deployment stuff like that. That all kind of comes into question. And over the course of the season, it builds up to what we're at now. Is you know that usage the reason that Shifley's been so slow, or that Wheeler and Shifley look off? I don't know. Maybe it was because Line A was up there on their line for a while, and then they put Connor back, and you have to get that. Um, that mojo back or whatever you you want to call it. But I mean, the concerning red flag to me was having a closed door 25 minute meeting in game 80 of the season after you lose five, one to a team that isn't in the playoffs. I mean, right. what, uh, I mean, that, that, that's my question is what's going on behind those doors. And I know the coaching staff wasn't involved in that meeting, or at least that's what we were told that they weren't involved, but you know, what's going on if you're having that meeting in, in game 80 and you know, one of the reasons that we brought, you know, Matt Hendricks back from, from uh, Minnesota was for leadership and he'd been on the team for X number of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks since the trade deadline and stuff like that. 
what what went on in that meeting? And I'm you know I'm waiting yeah. for the expose to come out on uh, on what happened in there. Well, and, and you know uh, there's been some reporting that the locker room isn't isn't right right now, right? So Mike McIntyre, the Free Press, has been has been you know pretty vocal about there being a problem in the dressing room or not being perfect in the dressing room. So that type of thing hasn't, um, hasn't been (laughs) exposed uh, since the Jets came back really in in any real shape or form. Right. So that's, that's gotta be concerning And it. It it segues nicely into the next question. Who's got the advantage behind the, behind the bench as far as coaching is concerned. I mean, to be to be honest, uh, to you know, uh, I'm not I'm not an anti-Maurice guy uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not also a pro-Maurice guy. There's been some stuff that uh, really makes you wonder. But I mean, uh, when the team is having when the Jets are having closed door meetings in Game 80, um, that just you know, and, and with the line usage and the, and the way things were were kind of put together, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't really come up with any real positives on the other side, for instance, uh, other than the fact that their record's been hot and they've been doing very well. But uh, I mean, I, I got to think that that's a that's a big strike against the Jets as far as um, you know their line deployment, their usage, uh, you know the whole uh, buffling on the power play, and then to have that team meeting, it just it screams that there's something wrong. Yeah, and you know what? I have a sinking feeling too that you know. Um, Gerard Gallant and the and the Knights figured out the Jets in the playoff last year, kind of carried over to to the league figuring them out this year. And the first half was was a lot of puck luck and PDO. <laughs> um, that's what's the most concerning to me is that there hasn't well, been any, there hasn't been any adjustments in the game, right? There hasn't been any. No, and well, the one of the biggest things for me is watching that power play, and I mean, they've taken away that bottom side of the power play. Uh, the the opposition has, no matter if it's the Blues or whatever, for what two months now, and there has been little to no adjustment to what's going on there for whatever reason that is. I don't know. So you know, to boil it all down, uh, do I think that the Blues have uh, uh, more than a more than a good shot? Yes, absolutely, I do, and that's unfortunate because you know. Uh, I think all of us on the podcast want the Jets to win, but the, uh, there's just so many question marks right now. And then we're playing one of the, you know, I think on one of the earlier editions uh, of the podcast, we talked about who we don't want to face going into the playoffs. I think Dallas was one. So I think actually, uh, you know, to speak about another series for uh, two seconds, I think Dallas is probably going to give Nashville all it can handle and might come out of that one. Uh, but St. Louis was one of the other teams that we said, hey, they're hot. And I don't think anybody wants to face it. And, and you know, the Jets had their chance to close it out and try and uh, try and get Dallas, which, you know, I guess it's pick your poison. But um, I don't think they uh, they won any awards by uh, by playing St. Louis, whether we have home home ice advantage or not. Awesome. So prediction, final prediction for the series. Uh, I actually had predicted uh, last night uh, St. Louis at six. Um, I just think that uh, the Bennington, if he shows up and he's hot as or as hot as he had as he has been, he'll do to us what uh, Mark Andre Fleury did to us in the Western Conference Final last year. Okay, so since the Jets are out, uh, Stanley Cup final prediction. My Stanley Cup final prediction. Um, I don't think anybody's uh, you know coming out of the East. It's either going to be Tampa or it's going to be Boston. That's that's my thought. 
Uh, I think there's some upsets uh, there that are that are possible in the East. I think there's upsets that are possible in the West, but everything's so tight, it's uh, it's um, you know tough to pick. If I was uh, right now to pick a team to come out of the West, I unfortunately have to say this, but I think the Vegas Golden Knights might be the Western Conference finalist again. Uh, if you look at the if you look at the Western, I know a lot of people have said say Calgary. I still think there's question marks in their uh, goaltending, to be honest. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, they're, they've got some playoff experience, but, uh, man, Vegas has been hot since they picked up Mark Stone and, um, they've got a, a pretty, pretty good path. They've got a, a St. Louis, uh, or sorry, a San Jose team that's, uh, that's had some issues of, of late. And then if they get a relatively easy series, I think Colorado is going to give Calgary a, a bit of a run there. They look actually pretty good. They're a dangerous team. Well, I, I like that matchup too. That San Jose Vegas ma- matchup. Whoever comes out of that's gonna gonna have some really good momentum because that'll be a hard fought series, I think. So, uh, I but. think yeah, that'll be one of the tighter ones. So if you know if you want to see Tampa and Vegas, uh, you know, uh, two two warm weather teams, that probably would be a good series. Um, you know, and I, like I say, if the blues do, um, as I you know think, or as uh, not that I hope, but as I think, they might beat the Jets. Um, and they get some momentum. You never know. They could go deep too. It's always about the hot goaltender too, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Anytime you get to the, the postseason, you get, it's who's the hot goalie. Who's the, who's the guy who's going to step up the, uh, the, uh, uh, let's say, uh, less than celebrated player kind of mid mid ranks who scores goals uh, in the playoffs like crazy. And are your top level guys playing at the top level? You know, do Ryan O'Reilly and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko outplay Wheeler and Shifley? You know, right now, I would say that, you know, St. Louis has the upper hand. And uh, if you're going to compare those players. Paul, it's been a slice. Thanks for the the negative Nancy that you that you've been. <laughs> <laughs> my, my pleasure. My pleasure. Sometimes okay. Some guys just want to see the world burn. Yeah, us ball guys got to get together and record more because I think this is this was gold. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, bud. All Thanks right. A lot. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm here with Daniel, and right now we're going to kind of cover the moose. We're going to talk about the moose for those of us uh, like myself who are very interested in what happens with the moose but don't always have a chance to to follow them. Daniel is our resident moose expert, so he's going to give us the lowdown. Daniel, thanks for doing this. And uh, to start it off, let's uh, just kind of talk about the record. I mean, the moose were in what last place in the whole league and now they've been h-a-w-t they've been hot for a long time and uh they're they're knocking on the door of a playoff spot i'm wondering if you could kind of take us through what's gone on the last couple months what was the big change for these boys yeah well they were last place in the league uh, heading into the uh, games on december 30th and 31st i believe was the two or the 29th and the 31st so just at the end of the year uh the year 2018 and they uh they really were last like i thought they were dead like the moose were dead in my mind at that point. And since then, since the new year, they've gone on a crazy streak, 26, 12, 3, and 2. And that's for a good for 57 points. And they've been also 19, 2, 1, and 1 at home in that same, in that same amount of time. So that's since, since Christmas. So that might include a couple of games before, uh, before that New Year's that I had mentioned. But anyways, that system right now, as they head into their game uh, this afternoon, uh, they're sitting in fourth in the central, good enough for the final playoff spot with uh, 81 points with the game in hand on Milwaukee, who's uh, just two points up on them and the Moose hold the tiebreaker on them as well. So 
right. Petra will be third after today. So they're uh, they're essentially I've, I've drawn the comparison. Uh, they're, they're essentially the St. Louis Blues of the AHL. Last place, I think January first or something like that. The St. Louis St. Louis Blues were. I mean, I don't think the Moose are going to jump up into a, uh, what is it, third place? Oh no, you just said uh, yeah, maybe they, they could, could be in third. Yeah, yeah. that would be pretty be funny. Third if, after, yeah, if, uh, <laughs> if they parallel right like that. So uh, yeah, so if you're impressed with. Uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, just know that uh, our Manitoba Moose have been doing the same thing. So that's really good. So now what do you think were some of the, the biggest parts of that uh, turnaround? I mean, we know that they got best lining back not too long ago. Obviously, Mason Appleton went went down. Um, what do you think has been the biggest turnaround? Was it, is there, is it actually their personality? Or do you think they just started finding a bit more chemistry with who they had, plus adding a couple pieces? Well, part of it, I think, uh, was they had a lot of injuries in that middle, middle third, I'll call it. You know, that... Uh, kind of through November through December. They had a lot of injuries. They had, I, I want to say, at least eight or nine guys that you would consider regulars. And not this isn't even guys that were called up to the Jets. This is just the Moose players, right, the AHL guys that were injured for long, you know, longish stretches of time. You know, you look at Tucker Poolman, he, he had a concussion to start the year. I can't remember exactly when he went out, but he's he was gone. He came back for a bit, and actually he's out again now for the rest of the regular season, I do believe. And a lot of other guys coming in and out of the lineup, you know, you, I think they lost a guy like Skylar McKenzie for a bit. He's out of the lineup again now. CJ Cease was lost in uh, about November, I'm going to say. Uh, that's a, you know, a guy that definitely would, would help them and stuff. He's out for the year. Uh, but there's, there were so some more, more defensemen, too. Like, I, I believe Luke Green, he was concussed, too. I don't even know if he's back. I don't even know what's up with yeah. him. But there were some other defensemen that was, uh, they were calling up a bunch of guys from the ECHL, too, right? Yeah, like looking at just their defensemen, like obviously they lost Sammy Niku to the Jets just to watch, just for him to watch from the press box. Um, oh. And then they look, I look, <laughs> had to looking say at it, their, had to say it, I just had to, I had to fit that in. And then I Such look at Such a all troll. Their... <laughs> How do you even get reception under your bridge, Daniel? I, I told you, I told you, I got a new cell tower there, so, so we're that's, good, we're good to go. That's how the trolls, <laughs> the trolls do. Yeah, of course. So, the, so they, so they lost Sammy Niku. They didn't have him for very much of the season. I think he played what twenty. 25 games or something with the Moose, and that's probably it, right? Uh, yeah, right now he's sitting right on uh, right on the 20-game uh, mark. Okay. So he was up and down a couple times uh, throughout. And I just look at the defensemen. Like, they have a bunch of guys that play just a couple of games. So, you know, just kind of calling up, inserting, signing professional uh, uh, tryout agreement or amateur tryout agreements. Just That's how desperate they were, right? They were just putting these guys, random guys, off ECHL rosters from the city they were playing in pretty much and throwing <laughs> them out there like – I don't even think no Moose player has played in every game this year. I mean, that's not like crazy shocking, but there's only a couple guys that have played more than 60 games. Holy, that's actually that's that's crazy because they're on what 72 right now. I think they yes, they'll be uh, game 73 today. So yeah. okay, yeah. Geez, I'm pretty good with this remembering stuff. Uh, I, I should mention uh, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm actually walking my uh, my baby. And so if you hear vehicles in the background or birds chirping or strangers saying hi to me, that's uh, that's what that background noise is. But trying to find some time to do this little chat with uh, Daniel about the moose, so it's good. But uh, if you're listening to this, um, which you are, <laughs> if you're hearing me uh, preface it, then uh, that's why you hear that background noise. So anyhow. Okay, uh, so so the players and stuff. Yeah, we're talking about all that. Now, I, I wouldn't mind getting into some of the players that are a bit more notable for, for Jets fans, right, where it's sort of, there's a crossover, right? We talked about Sammy Niku. It looks like he's never going to play for the Moose ever again, right? I mean, he's he's likely a Jet. Uh, Tucker Pullman, you talked about his injury. Is he likely uh, going to be a guy that moves up uh, into the the Jets? What are you seeing? Obviously, 
we got to get to the, the goaltending and uh, Comrie's future and the Birdman being as good as he is. And Veselainen coming out of camp next year, is he likely going to be a Jets? I mean, there's probably some other guys to, to mention too, but as far as the crossover where Jets fans care, uh, what can you t- tell us about those guys? Yeah, so obviously, yeah, Sabin Yuku will very unlikely play more than a handful of games more for the Moose, if any at all. Obviously, he's still waiver exempt, so they'd be able to set him up and down as they please if that is something that they feel that they need to do. Um, you talk about Tucker Poolman, and I'm, you know, he's going to be, I believe, we had mentioned he's going to be uh, 26 uh, yeah, some, soon, or if yeah, he something like that, yeah. If he isn't already, so that's, uh, and his injuries, you know, it doesn't bode well for him. Um, and that's in the sense that, you know, you got to kind of start playing. Like, I know, obviously, he's an older prospect, as this is only his third professional season, I believe. So that doesn't help him that he's been injured and not, unable to show what he's got. And he's kind of been jumped on the Jets depth chart by a few by a few guys, like Sammy Niku. And if they keep a guy like, say, Nathan Beaulieu next year. And so, you know, I think he, he'll he be maybe a tweener or just a – I, I, I mean, obviously, I really like him. I hope he can make the Jets next season, but – it's looking, depending what happens back there, it's looking, uh, his future's pretty bleak with the, uh, the, his NHL dreams should be pretty bleak at this point, obviously. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we jump up to the forwards. Obviously, Appleton got a good chunk of games with the Jets this year, and they, uh, reassigned him after the trade deadline after acquiring, uh, uh, Hayes there. So that's, that's good that they actually sent him down and got him some games playing top line minutes. Uh, you look at a guy like, obviously, Christian Veselainen did, start the year with the Jets and played a little bit with the Moose and then got jumped the jumped the ocean over to Finland to play with his hometown or his home country in playing the KHL in his home country. Um and then now he's been playing with the Moose since uh since the season ended at the end of uh uh March or at well, I guess the middle of March or so we'll say. He's actually done pretty well. I think uh he's put up uh in eighteen games he's put up thirteen points with the Moose so that's uh pretty promising obviously that's including the first couple at the start of the year. So I think he, he would be my bet to definitely make that jump. Like, I don't know if I even consider Appleton a guy of making the jump because he kind of already did this year. And who knows where Kevin Hayes is next year. He's probably moved on in free agency. So I would say the one guy that's primed to make the jump would be uh, Christian Veselainen. And obviously, I mean, we have Marco Dano still. Uh, he'll, he'll be a, a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, not much more. Skylar McKenzie's an interesting guy, but he's going to be uh, – more of a work, obviously, if he ever does make it. He's still still fairly young. Uh, I look at a guy, obviously, Logan Stanley is a really uh, touted prospect by, by some Jets fans. And, I mean, I will be honest, he has improved a lot this season. Um, he's played, actually, one of the most amount of games, so he's been pretty durable, too, on a on definitely a hampered lineup. He's put up 19 points in his uh, 69 games so far this season. So, yeah, as, as you can see there, he's only missed uh, three games this season, so that's something that's promising at least for him yeah i think for him it's probably the it depends who else they resign right because it looks like there's more room for depth on the right side where like a where pullman would fit in so that's positive for him uh but on the left side when you got morrissey niku and then if you know charat and bull you are still around you kind of think those guys stay ahead of stanley and uh yeah so he probably stays down unless bull has gone although i believe he's rfa if I'm not mistaken, but uh, yeah, the Stanley one's an interesting one. It's good to hear that he's improving. Obviously, a lot of us were really critical of of the draft, but I mean, he's our prospect now. So now that he is, it's like you you want him to you do want him to excel. Uh, contrary to popular belief that we wouldn't want him to excel, I mean, 
he's our prospect. Jeez, I, I hope he turns into, uh, you know, Dustin Bufflin, right? That would be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that, yeah right? and obviously, you know what? We we all said we obviously I I'm still not a fan of the pick, but we're kind of stuck with them now. We want them to do really well, right? Yeah, you you look at some That's of the other picks that the, that the Jets could have had. I mean, DeBrincat had what was it 40 goals or something like that this year? At least 40. I don't yeah. know if he passed that, but yeah. So I mean, you, you're looking at a guy who's a, a maybe uh, with the, the Jets next year versus a guy that you know had 40 goals uh, this this season with. Chicago, right? Yeah, he's with the Blackhawks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, another player we could have had. So, yeah, the, the pick was definitely a bad pick. But being our prospect now, it would be great to see him turn into something pretty pretty wicked amazing. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But um, So, now that the, you're, you're talking just uh, briefly about the playoff chances, so is it pretty much a, a sure thing or what, what has to happen for them to actually get into the playoffs? Is there some, like, is it quite a close battle with them and a few other teams there? Yeah, so basically in the central division right now, there's, uh, let me count here, there's eight teams in the division, and I believe one, two, three, four are fighting for the last two uh, playoff spots. Okay. All within, uh, so Milwaukee's at 83 points, and third place in Texas is at 80 points in sixth place right now. So that's pretty tight. Obviously, one win can put you from in the playoffs to out of the playoffs, or one, sorry, one loss, I guess, depending how you look at it. So, right. You know, basically, if they can't lose more than I'd say two points in the next their last four games, that's probably my my advice to them: don't lose more than two points in your next four games. So basically, right. win three out of four, yeah. and that might get you in. <laughs> yeah, and even if it does, like yeah, the the way how does how does the seeding work? Is it uh, do they play in in division the same way that the NHL does, or do they just rank the West? Uh, and the East, one through eight, and one plays eight, two plays seven, or is it similar? I know they play 76 games, or at least the moves do. Some teams actually play less, but they go by points percentage. But um, the the playoffs, though, yeah, just uh, how how does that work for them? Yeah, so the Central is, uh, or all the divisions, actually, sorry, there's four divisions. It's just one through four. Okay. And there's, that's your bracket, so one one versus four and two versus three, and then the winners move on. There's no wild card and stuff, uh, just I'm assuming – Obviously, the travel costs and travel is a lot different, and right. the first round's best of five and stuff like that. So it's just a, just a little different look, but yeah, it's all within your own division. Uh, that's uh, that's how they do it, and it's actually the uh, yeah the Pacific teams actually only play, I believe, it is 68 games. So they in the third round they're ranked by their points percentage for uh, home ice uh, advantage in that third round. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on about the the moose, and then uh, we'll just get uh, maybe you could say whether you think that they're going to make the playoffs, maybe kind of cutting back over to the Jets, I'll give you a chance to say your prediction for uh, the Jets' playoff chances. Yeah, so I just thought I'd mention the goalies, obviously. Oh, yeah, uh, of if anyone's If anyone's on the uh, the old Twitter machine there, you've seen uh, a lot of clips, a lot of gifts uh, of uh, Mikel uh, Berdin. Um, I, I will say attending the three games, he played all three games uh, this week. That guy uses so much energy in the game. I'm surprised he can even last the full uh, the full 60 minutes. He faced, I think, uh, it was like something like 70 shots in the two games Tuesday and Wednesday. Holy smokes, man! <laughs> he's he's always he plays the puck. He has no fear and he doesn't make mistakes, many mistakes with the puck, which is obviously good. And he's just fun to watch. And this season, he's put up a 9.35 save percentage with a, a 2.12 goals against. So obviously, that's the moves have been hot and. He's been the guy since Comrie got called up with Francois being down. And, I mean, Eric Comrie's had a pretty decent season as well. Um, you know, he's put up uh, 275 goals against with a 916 uh, save percentage. So, I mean, that's, the goals are a little high. 
but yeah. he was also playing behind a very sketchy defense, guys that he probably just met that day on some <laughs> occasions. So it's kind of, you know, you don't put a, a whole lot of stock in that, and the Moose have allowed some of the most shots in the league, but they've also allowed one of the lower or mid-tier goals against at 206, and they've actually only scored 183 goals, which is, like, very bad. But uh, anyways, yeah, right. so I think I think they have it in tough to make the playoffs only because next weekend they play a triple header to close out the year, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. So like I said, they can only lose one game. But if you're playing a triple header next week and cl- and then add on the game today, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough tough wild ride to the end of the year, and they might need a little more help than I'm uh, than I'm anticipating they'll get. Right. Obviously, a bunch of other teams in the in the battle too. They're not getting help from. You know, and all playing each other too, right? Yeah. It's divisional. It's, I think it's mostly divisional games next weekend as well. Which is a great way to end the season, honestly. Mm-hmm. It should be like yeah, the last course. month should all just be divisional games, all all just fighting for playoff positioning. So yeah, that would be that would be spectacular. Yeah. Now that's my super hot take. Anyhow, uh, so uh, I I do actually have some other questions, but I think uh, I don't want to make this too long. So how about you just tell us what you think of uh, uh, the Jets' playoff chances and uh, yeah, what, what they're going to do the first round. How you see it going? What's your what's your bracket basically look like? Well, obviously, I I want the Jets to do well. Obviously, they're my team, right? I want them I want them to win. I want them to succeed. Um, they've had struggles pretty much a lot of the season, and you know, hopefully, I'm hoping you know maybe they'll find that weird switch that everyone keeps talking about, and uh, and I hope they can turn it on. I mean, the one thing that might be a somewhat of a positive or a negative is that uh, St. Louis's goaltender, Jordan Binnington, um, he's been on a ridiculous tear since uh, he got called up. I can't remember exactly when it must have been. When the Blues got hot there at the end of uh, December into the new year or whatever it was, uh, he's what, put his goals against like a 189 with a 927. So maybe he's due for a little bit of regression there. Right. Um, the, looking at some of the uh, – a few charts, the Blues have come slightly back down to earth, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's just they clinched, they kind of let off the gas a little bit. So we'll see. Um, but I will say the Jets the Jets will win the series in six. Nice. Nice. Now, that seems fair. I feel, I was chatting with someone else earlier today, and I said it really feels like pretty much just a coin toss, honestly, uh, between these teams. I know there's uh, – I know everyone's going to look at the numbers, but there there is something to be said for – there is a, bit, uh, a hard reset once you – start the playoffs where literally the standings don't matter right everything you've done before doesn't really matter right it's it's just about this the seven game series and if you can take four before the other team does right so uh but in in such a small sample size you know some outstanding goaltending that may have not been there before can happen in a small sample size or a bit of luck or some bounces or some calls or something so uh, i feel like it's certainly not a uh uh, slam dunk. It's not, out of, the realm, not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Out I, of the realm of possibility. That's. I know a lot of people and, are, I mean, are saying a sweep and everything, but I think that's mostly jokes for people who don't know that that's how people like to joke around. But I think a sweep <laughs> is is pretty unlikely. I think this goes to six or seven. You know, I mean, well, what are they in the standings? Right, they're both what a, a point apart. So. They're uh, tied. Well, they're tied. Just just have less uh, shootout wins, right? So that's. Oh right. Oh yeah, that's right. So they're both on ninety nine points. Okay. So. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's on paper by the standings there's not much to choose between these two two teams so I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way obviously hoping that it goes our way but we'll see all right Daniel thanks for uh, taking the time I'm gonna cut you yeah, off because for... I gotta do uh, four more of these interviews today so take yeah, care yeah I hear I hear some geese in the background too there just just be careful out there yeah they're coming back for the playoffs.
<laughs> they're coming back for the they're coming back for the white out, I guess. Yeah, they're wearing white. Yeah, they got their uh, their uh, their spring feathers coming in. They're all nice white and downy. So, bit of snow yeah. on the ground still. We are we are Winnipeg on a few of their chests too. Yeah, there's a few of them. <laughs> we are we are Winnipeg. A couple painted faces on them. All right, take care, Daniel. Thanks again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yeah, no problem. Bye.